Greetings, everyone. Today, my guest is Diana Burkett Rakow, Vice President of External Affairs at Alaska Airlines. Welcome, Diana. Hi, Frank. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining me. I'd like to focus our conversation today on the responsibility that corporations have in and to the communities in which they operate. I was reading Alaska Airlines website and it says, at Alaska, we are proud members of all the communities we fly to and from, and we love to show that pride by participating in various charitable events. Given the large number of locations you fly to and from, how do you operationalize this commitment in authentic and personal ways? Thanks for that question. This is a topic that is near to my heart. Um, so there's, th I would say there's three ways. Part of the ethos is we can best serve a community if we are truly grounded in the community and we understand what the community needs. And we do that in a couple of different ways. One of them is we actually have people working, obviously not just in the airports, but also on my team and a lot of our major hubs and communities. So doing community relations, doing philanthropy, um, getting you know embedded in the community, serving on local boards um, in California, in Hawaii, in Alaska, um, as well as of course here in the Pacific Northwest. So truly actually working in the community helps. The second way is that um, we have had a couple of different uh, sort of campaigns that involve working with non nonprofits across our community. So last year we did something called the Week of Lift in October, where employees volunteered at 10 or 11 sites across the United States, including New York, Southern California, all the other places that I mentioned. And we kind of had this toolkit for other people in Florida or elsewhere to design their own service day in the community. So there was painting homeless shelters, there was um, planting trees, there were all of these different activities all in this one week across the United States, which was really amazing. This year with COVID, we couldn't do quite the same thing. So we did something called the Million Meals Challenge. And early in COVID, we donated all of our snack boxes, fruit and cheese plates, all the foods from the lounges, again, all across the United States where this food was being stored and couldn't be used to food banks and homeless shelters in all of those communities. And so the last, the last way and the key is that our people are everywhere and our people have amazing values and give back. And you know, the, the company tries to encourage that with a match for gifts or for volunteer hours. Last year, we volunteered, all of us all told, about 42,000 hours during the course of the year. Um, and so part of it's just sort of the ethos and uh, employees are everywhere and they're doing wonderful things. That's great. 42,000 hours. <laughs> That's an amazing number. Is there, a, you mentioned some wonderful events. Is there a particular event that every time you talk about it, it puts a smile on your face? A great question. You know, there's a couple. I think one that really uh, resonates with me, especially, is this one that we do. And unfortunately, we couldn't do it live this year, but we do it in May and it's over at our hangar. It's called Aviation Day. And um, all of our employees come out and we've got, we have airplanes come up from Joint Base Lewis McCord, these mm -hmm. massive C 17s. We park airplanes, helicopters, you know, small planes, big planes over at our hangar and invite kids from across the region to come and slide down the slide and talk to a pilot and kick the tires and look up in the wheel well and talk to a mechanic about what's going on up there. Um, talk to people that do sort of emergency response in aviation. All these different jobs and all these different parts of aviation 
And, um, you know, there's folks from the Science Center that, uh, that work to, to capture some of that footage to use with some of their virtual, um, you know, programming, uh, local schools like the Highline School District, all of that is just really kind of amazing. And it is just one day. So the thing that we've got to keep kind of building on is how do we help programs like the Science Center who are doing amazing remote education all the time through this time of, you know, through COVID um, or others do what they do. And that's, that can't all be captured in Aviation Day, but Aviation Day is pretty, a pretty fun day. Yeah, it sounds like a wonderful day. I, as a young child, I grew up next to a grass airfield and we used to jump on our bicycles and ride over to watch the planes land. And so doing those kind of events where people can learn about aviation, flying and the, and the profession, I think is a wonderful activity. It's true. And you can start to see yourself potentially in some of those jobs that you might want to consider that you never might otherwise have. Yeah. You mentioned that you are doing things differently with the pandemic. Can you talk a little bit more, a little bit more about that? How has Alaska's commitment to community activity changed because of the pandemic? Great question. I'll talk about the community piece, but when I think about responsibility broadly and responsibility of the community, it also includes responsibility to um, personal health and safety, especially at this time. So keeping our employees safe, keeping our guests safe, making sure we're working with our airports to keep the airport environment safe, that actually becomes part of our community responsibility. And we have absolutely doubled down on that, as you know. Um, and then working with folks like the University of Washington and others to make sure that we're doing that in a really thoughtful way that's consistent with science. In terms of the work that we do giving back to the community, there's a couple things that have changed. Um, one is that all of our volunteering has gone virtual. So we had to get creative and think about what are the things that we can do to give back, but in a virtual environment. So we've had folks writing letters um, to seniors or um, others that are homebound. We've had pilots and flight attendants and maintenance technicians sharing what they do on Facebook Live or on Instagram stories, engaging in a Q&A with um, kids that wanna you know, ask a question and sort of do that as part of their virtual learning. Um, we've really tried to lean into supporting educational equity programs that um, support remote learning like the Science Center and others. Uh -huh. And then finally, we are fortunate to have a company foundation. And so we're able to make grants from that entity that has already been contributed to over 20 years from the company without spending company dollars at a time when we wanna make sure that everything possible goes to recovery and to supporting our employees. Um, so that's enabled us to focus on food security, um, shelter, educational equity, and some of the other really acute needs of our community right now via those foundation grants. That's great. You, you mentioned equity. I'd like to follow up on that. Alaska Airlines has a strong commitment to race and social justice and equity issues. When you think of your role as a leader and Alaska's role as a leader in our community, what approaches do you take to move the needle in this area? Sure. It's certainly something that we're all talking about. And while we probably should have been doing more all the way along, the events of this spring and summer have uh, appropriately galvanized a lot of activity. Um, we did a series of listening sessions with our employees, so that has certainly informed our approach. But after all of those listening sessions, we made commitments and we made commitments in three areas. One is around representation of Black, Indigenous, and people of color in leadership and in our company. 
The second one is around culture, creating an inclusive culture. The third one is around public leadership. So making sure that we're not just doing these things out inside our own company, and we need to, to make sure we're taking care of our own sort of house first, but also that we recognize that equity is an issue across the community and we're doing work to support that as well. In each of those areas, we're defining goals. And for example, in the culture one, um, all of our employees will do uh, sort of bias and, and um, understanding uh, race issues uh, training as part of our compliance suite this fall. And there's a lot more work to come. Yeah, it's interesting at the Foster School, we also have three buckets. Uh, one is um, in the leadership area. So expanding thought leadership in the DEI space. The other is creating more inclusive learning environments. Mm -hmm. And then the, the last one is just access and outreach. So our systems and assessing those systems and then outreach to the community. So we're, we're trying hard to improve in that space too. And I'm, I'm glad that uh, we'll be partnering in that. Yeah, space. I think we have a conversation coming up to talk about all of our shared learnings and see where we can uh, support each other. So I look forward to that. And I look forward to it as well. How do you make sure that this culture permeates all that Alaska does and, and is something that um, Alaska employees bring to life, that they live in their daily life? You know, Frank, that's a journey. Um, I'll start with our values. Our values are really important at Alaska Airlines and something that we anchor ourselves in all the time. And they include a number of things important like own safety, Mm -hmm. These issues of racial equity relate to safety in terms of creating safe spaces for everyone to be themselves and an inclusive safe space. But also some of our values are around do the right thing and be kind hearted. And both of those relate to this work. Um, that said, we like everyone else around the country are on a journey to learn, to listen to each other, to continue to adapt and continue to change. And I think we have work to do to truly embed consciousness about different people's experiences and the need and the value in creating true equity of representation and a truly inclusive culture across the company. Um, we're making progress, but just like everybody else, we're on a journey and it's a long path. Yeah, yeah, I feel the same, that it's certainly a journey and not a destination that we're going to get to and especially anytime soon. Diana, Alaska recently shared that Hawaii's approach to reopening for tourism is focused on travel with Malama. Will you tell everyone watching what Malama means and the ways in which Alaska Airlines embraces the spirit of Malama? Yeah, so Malama is a word that means um, to nurture or to care for, which uh, resonates with us at Alaska a lot because we are very focused on care as one of our kind of pillars in, in terms of how we think about um, taking care of our guests, taking care of our each other, each other, really just truly caring more as much as we can about um, about uh, the people that we serve. And um, what this means for Hawaii is traveling responsibly on a couple of different fronts. One, safety, making sure that you get your pre-arrival test, that you fill out your paperwork, mm -hmm. that you track your symptoms, and you really make sure that you're wearing your mask and you're taking care of. Um, uh, other guests or locals uh, when you're in Hawaii. The second one is to um, honor the earth and the natural environment. And uh, when we were over there um, just a couple weeks ago for the first day of the pre-arrival testing program with a very happy plane full of people getting back to the islands, um, we actually had a chance to, a couple of my colleagues and myself, go up to um, 
a farm and plant native trees um, through the Hawaii Legacy Reforestation Initiative. And the purpose of that program is to bring native trees back into the environment, which I think I hadn't realized. A lot of the islands have really been taken over by non-native plants mm-hmm. and they're very aggressive. And so trying to clear out some of that land and replant it with native trees, um, it just on a broad scale is really, really exciting. And so partnering with hotels and airlines like us, and actually we're going to be planting a tree um, through the Hawaii Legacy Reforestation Initiative for every flight that we fly to the Hawaii Islands from now until the end of the year. Um, and we're really excited to make a dent um, in bringing those trees back to life on the islands. And then the last part is a little bit more from an economic perspective. When you're in Hawaii, buy local. And I think the same thing could be said here. The more we can buy local and invest in local talent and local businesses and local jobs, the better we will all be at coming out of this. So uh, Malama is really about that holistic responsibility, that holistic sense of care and true respect for the place that you're visiting. So what I hear, one of the things that Malama introduces is a commitment to sustainability and for caring for Mother Earth and the environment. What are a couple of examples of how Alaska is committed to caring for the environment? Well, the biggest one is we recognize that we have a significant impact in carbon and greenhouse gas emissions by the nature of our business. We burn fuel and in burning fuel, the engines release um, carbon dioxide as the major greenhouse gas. And we know that carbon dioxide and other greenhouse gases contribute to climate change. And so that's something that we're really committed to addressing. We recognize our responsibility. We believe deeply in the power of travel to connect people, to um, bring economic value. And yet we also know that we have a responsibility to do that in an increasingly sustainable way over time so that the beautiful places that we live and fly are there and beautiful to support us all into the future. So a couple of ways that we're addressing that in addition to sort of owning that responsibility is working on making sure that our operation is as tight as possible when it comes to burning fuel and therefore releasing emissions. Um, That means thinking about, you know, taxi times. Do you use one engine or two engine on your taxi out and your taxi in? Um, Even little things like guests packing more lightly can impact the weight and the fuel burn of the airplane. And the newer the planes get, the better and more efficient they are. The other one is investing in sustainable aviation fuels. So sustainable aviation fuels um, come from a carbon product and use that again. And so there's a complete life cycle where you actually save 70 to 80% of the carbon emissions by using that fuel. Right now, the science around sustainable aviation fuel is sound, all the certifications are there. It can be used as what's called drop-in fuel, just put into the fuel farm and you use just like any other fuel when you fuel the airplane. The challenge is that it's not scalable and it's not price competitive with traditional jet A fuel. So especially in this community, we need to continue to create demand so that we can continue to create supply. Your students would be very good at thinking about how to create these business models and how to use the market to do this well. Um, But it's an exciting market for the future, but we have a little bit of a ways to go to make it a really commercially viable alternative to Jet A, and we're committed to get there. It it sounds like in order to make progress in this area, you have to think 
incrementally. You have to think we need to be better tomorrow than we are today and just keep thinking that way each and every day. How do you as a leader at Alaska and other leaders at Alaska look through a sustainability lens at each of the decisions that you make? Well, I think we're still working on that too. But one thing I would say that I've always admired about Alaska Airlines since before I was here is that it's a values-driven business that's run very tightly with a long-term lens. And so we care about the health of our balance sheet. We care about controlling costs. We care about being efficient in the operation and in the back office. And all of those things are geared toward being here and sustainable, literally sustainable for the long-term. And so if you take that ethos into community sustainability and environmental sustainability and social sustainability as it relates to our employees and even equity, that same ethos can apply to all of those realms to think about what are the decisions that we need to make today to use our resources wisely, to treat each other well, so that we will be as productive and be here for the long term. Yeah, and how do you, so you're doing a lot of stuff in this area. How do you share what you're doing with the external environment like investors? Do you put together a sustainability report? We do. We have had a, an annual sustainability report for the last eight or nine years. Um, it's available on our website, and we've actually got a little microsite called flysustainably.com um, to kind of explore some of what we're doing. Um, reporting, and this is a really fascinating space that it's um, it's always changing and worth tracking, but sustainability reporting has been changing a lot in the last few years. Um, there's now something called um, SASB, the Sustainable Accounting Standards Board, and we disclose per those metrics, um, which are consistent across all airlines. Um, the only problem with SASB is that while it's really great sort of apples to apples comparison across airlines, it's not necessarily metrics that are gonna move the needle, that are gonna push us forward or help us manage the business. So we have to complement those with the things that we look at to help hold ourselves accountable and move forward um, in terms of emissions and other things. And so we do an annual public disclosure. We also report quarterly to our board and right now, um, our last set of goals sunsetted in 2020. So we're in the process of setting our goals for 2025 and really pushing ourselves forward, especially prioritizing carbon emissions and equity. Diana, how do you respond to a subset of investors who say corporations shouldn't be investing significant amounts in corporate social responsibility and sustainability and environmental issues? They should be focusing on profits. How does Alaska respond to well, I think there's been a lot of research in the last couple of years showing that actually companies that are thinking about this world of ESG or environmental social governance actually are, um, they do better in terms of profits over the long term. And so if you actually want a company to do well, and the Business Roundtable came out with a statement about this um, last year, and it's a little cliche to sort of you do, do well by doing good, but there is something to that. Now you have to make sure that it's smart and that the things that you're investing in actually do move the needle in the areas of impact that you wanna see and think about what are the areas of impact that are most important to our business or to another business, both in terms of negative impacts that we need to mitigate, but also positive impacts that we wanna further. But honestly, the better that our talent pool is, the bigger our talent pool is by making more equitable opportunity, the better off the business will be. The the more we can actually control or reduce or mitigate is really probably more realistic climate change, 
the better off we will be able to run an operation, you know, mitigate the risk of forest fires over time. And there's a big push in actually investing in climate resilience because we know mm-hmm. these changes are coming and we want to be able to weather them together. So I think, um, you know, like many things, sort of this will shake out in the market, but I think more of us are realizing that running a company responsibly is actually running a company well for the owners at the end of the day. And I I do think it makes you more attractive to potential employees because our students are making value-based decisions. They wanna work for companies they feel passionate about and share the same values with. And I think what you're describing are companies like that as opposed to those that are more focused just on profits uh, or on market growth. Yeah, you're right. You're right, Frank. It's not just about investors, although they certainly are a key stakeholder, but it's also about our employees. It's about what our guests are expecting of us and a myriad of other stakeholders. Diana, what's your first experience with giving back or paying it forward? I love that question. Um, You know, I thought a little bit about this and I remember uh, I grew up in Boston, downtown Boston, and um, there was a, a homeless shelter there called the Pine Street Inn. And we used to go and serve meals, especially around Thanksgiving, um, to residents or folks that were coming in for shelter uh, at the Pine Street Inn. And I just remember really wanting to try to understand why people were without a home or without shelter. Um, And also it was sort of my first experience of really humanizing these um, very human issues, social issues and civic issues that impact all of us. Um, we are all human and the, the privilege that allowed me to have a roof over my head and the circumstances that allowed somebody to not have one, um, a lot of that is chance, a lot of that is luck and fortune. Um, and so it struck me that it's incumbent on all of us to make sure that we are taking care of each other. Uh, I grew up with a mother that was a public library, children's library, and then a father who was a doctor. So I suppose I also sort of had that ethos of taking care of other people kind of in our family. That's great. Is, is there a particular, you mentioned your mother and your, your father, are there other role models that you look to in this area? Yeah, you know, um, at Group Health, the uh, where I worked um, before coming to Alaska, and I sort of feel like I professionally grew up there, um, the board of directors were members, and Group Health was a cooperative, a governance cooperative, and so members elected members of the board and informed us on a number of different decisions. And um, the members of the board and also the members of this group of older members called the Senior Caucus, I would meet with them periodically. And they gave me a lot of insight of how the cooperative had developed to um, be one of the first movers on women's health issues, to be one of the first movers, and I was there for this, on trans health issues, to really think about grounding reproductive health offerings and women's health offerings in science, um, cancer offerings in science, And um, they just really instilled in me this uh, need to ask questions and to really understand different perspectives and experiences. And you can't make decisions that impact people's lives if you're not getting in better touch with the experience um, of how those decisions are received and, um, uh, you know, for the patient or whether it's for a customer or a community member. Yeah, I think that empathy is so important. You've mentioned it a couple of times in our conversation today, just being able to understand perhaps why someone is in a situation they're in and then caring for that individual. Last question, 
with respect to giving back to one's community, what advice would you give our students as they begin their professional careers? That also is a wonderful, wonderful question. I would, I would encourage them to think about what are you passionate about? What do you do that no one requires you to do? Mm. And be sure that when you do give back, you do it in a way that you understand why you're doing it. It's not to check a box. It's not to put something on a resume because you will give more if you feel compelled to do it and to go back and to do it again and to you know, tout the mission of whoever you're working with um, to others. That will be most authentic and most true, and it will actually serve you the most deeply in your life. So um, I would encourage you to ask those questions, and it can involve, evolve um, throughout your life. You don't have to sort of choose one thing and stick with it, but um, asking those questions and understanding why you're diving in, I think, is pretty critical. It sounds like you're describing um, committing to something that you not only think is right, but you feel is right. It's from the heart. For sure. Yeah, I'll tell you a quick story. When I um, graduated from, uh, from college, I'd gotten a job in art conservation and I was a painter and a chemistry major. So it made complete intellectual sense that I was going into art conservation. And I went to kind of find housing and start to dive into my job. And I realized I'd made a big mistake that um, in art conservation, you don't engage with people all the time. And I really like people. Um, and you also, it's almost like an apprenticeship type of thing. You really you follow the instructions of those that came before. And while I absolutely honor that practice, I needed more creativity. And so I went back and thought about, so I was, you know, summer after college without a job. And I went back and thought about what did I do in college that I didn't have to do, but I loved it and I did it anyway. Um, and that was uh, starting to volunteer for and then running a peer counseling organization um, for eating disorder prevention and treatment, and then ultimately for sort of stress reduction and holistic health. Um, and I ended up going into public health as a result of thinking about sort of those, um, those issues. And, you know, parts of my work still relate to that original desire to um, see someone else's pain and try to meet it and try to relieve it and try to figure out whether it be individual or systemic ways um, to solve those problems. So um, that's continued to drive me. And uh, as much as I still love art and I'm fascinated by art conservation, I needed to do the thing that I was going to do without being required to do it. It sounds like you followed your heart. Yeah. And I've had a pretty eclectic career as a result, but it's been fun. Diana, thank you for sharing and having a conversation with me today. Absolutely. Well, thanks for all you do to um, support students. It's one of the most honorable uh, types of work that one can do. And thanks to all your students for making the world brighter every day. Well, and I'm really appreciative of the close relationship we have with Alaska Airlines. And I look forward to working with you going forward. Absolutely. Thanks, Frank. Be safe.